Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. Judges chapter 7, amen. And if you're wondering why, why, why is pastor dressed up so nicely? If I'm making everybody feel underdressed, I apologize. I had a funeral today and I just stayed in my uniform. And, uh, please be in prayer uh, as uh, Brother, Brother George uh, made mention. Um, the Gray family, Macy Gray, Ginger Gray, they laid there. 103-year-old grandmother to rest today, born in 1919. Miss Pauline, she was an amazing woman. She attended here quite a bit. Uh, many of you would probably recognize her if I put her face up on the screen. Just a sweet lady. You probably didn't know she was 100 years old or 102 or 103. She's been here, been coming for many, many years. And uh, just, just, just a sweet lady, born in 1919. Versailles Treaty was signed in 1919. If you don't know what that means, that means that World War II or World War I ended in 1919 with the Versailles Treaty. That's a long time ago. My grandfather, my dad's dad, was born in 1919. And so I guess if he was still living, he'd be 103 years old today as well. Uh, but a beautiful homegoing service for a sweet lady. And uh, just keep them in prayer. I know they were all expecting this, but... I know they loved her deeply, and no matter how prepared you may think you are for to lose a loved one, it's never easy. So be in prayer for them and peace for their family. Amen. Heroes of the faith, Gideon. I mean, enjoyed last Wednesday. Amen. I did as well. God spoke to me through that word as well. Judges chapter 7. I'll just read a couple of scriptures here, and then we can be seated. Then Jerubabel. Who is Gideon? I like how uh, the book of Judges begins to refer to Gideon now as Jerubabel. Uh, and I'll, I'll explain that here in just a minute. And Jerubabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the hosts of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee, are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for Bible study. So grateful to be here and grateful to hear your word tonight. And so I ask you tonight to speak to us through your word. Encourage us, grow us, mature us. Use us for your service tonight, Lord, and use this word to speak to our spirits. We ask all this in your precious name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Thank you for standing. Amen. Judges 6, uh, just in quick summary, the Lord uh, calls Gideon to deliver the people of Israel out of the hand of the Midianites. And um, pretty much the whole chapter of Judges chapter 6 is Gideon 
not believing that he was called and continuing to ask the Lord over and over again to show him, reveal to him that his calling and his assignment were sure. And the Lord, this is what you've called me to do. I'm specifically asking for you to show me again to the point where Judges 6 will end with Gideon saying to God one more time, Lord, don't kill me, but I'm going to ask you one more time. If you could just let me live, <laughs> I, I need one more way for you to show me that this is for real, that you've actually called me and that you're going to deliver your this victory into my hands. And while we understand that Gideon was dealing with um, you know, self-disbelief, like that, not believing in himself. Uh, we also, that he was, um, uh, he was definitely trying to uh, maintain his, his, the safety of himself, knowing that, Lord, I don't want to walk down here into this camp thinking that you're with me and get my head chopped off uh, because you're not. And so he's, he's definitely uh, self-preserving, uh, but he's also self-demeaning. And he, he doesn't believe that God could call him. And he, he explains this in Judges 6 when he says, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm nobody. My, my father is nobody. And I come from a, a people of nobody. And I'm, I'm from the smallest of the tribes and the weakest of the tribes. And not only that, but even within, within my own family, I am the least in my own family. Like, why would you choose me? And many times we disqualify ourselves before anybody else can. Before anybody else can disqualify us, before anybody else can give us the disqualifiers in our life, we take it upon ourselves a lot of time to do the disqualifying on our own. And God believes in us, we just don't believe in ourselves. God has called us, we just don't believe that God could call us. God, is, God loves us and God has a plan and design for us, but we, just, we can't see it because we know us so well. And that's something that we all deal with. That's something that Gideon obviously and definitely dealt with and this is something that we deal with ourselves inside our own selves we continually seeking is am i who god says i am can i perform what god has called me to perform and i think what what gideon did is is is, is a good lesson for us to continually ask god to show us if you could turn me down this a little bit is, is that ring bothering y'all as much as it's bothering me yeah, just, just turn me down a little bit or just turn these monitors off completely. Um, is God calling me? Is God going to use me? Is, is God going to do what he said he was going to do through me? And while I can't see it because I know all these things about me, while I know all my, all of my limitations, all of my drama, you know, I got, a, I got a bunch of skeletons in the closet, and, 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 and I got the key to the closet. Nobody else does. I, I, I know what's in there. I, I know what I'm dealing with. And we continually have this battle within ourselves. And what Gideon teaches us is that every time Gideon is trying to find the, the proof, he goes to God for the proof. And just let me expound on this just a little bit before I move into Judges 7. Is that when... Gideon is doubting. He goes to God for the answer. He doesn't ask his friends. Doesn't ask his brothers. Doesn't ask his dad. Doesn't ask anybody in his life. 
he goes to God and asks God, God, show me again that, that I'm the one you chose. Because when, when me and you try to seek validation in, in other things, other people, we, we will always be disappointed in that. And even self-validation is, is not going to be enough. Even, even within ourselves, if we, as we look inside ourselves and we try to self-validate, we, we will always find trouble in that. What Gideon did is he continually went back to God and said, God, if you're the one who called me, show me that you're the one who called me. Over and over again, to the point where Gideon is, is, is realizing that, okay, like, don't kill me, but if you could just show me one more time which I believe um, we, it, it kind of makes us feel in a way like, well, Gideon should have believed. But at the same time, we had the same problem that Gideon had. We just don't do the same things that Gideon did. We have the self-doubt that Gideon has, but we just don't do the things that Gideon did. We, we look for validation in everything else, and, and, and we don't see it there. We look to our friends. We look to our family. We look to our accomplishments. You know, we, we, you know, we try to do things that will make us be awesome, be around awesome people, have, have awesome moments, and those things fail miserably. But when we go to God and say, God, show me again that I'm your called servant, God will show us again and again. Now, chapter 7 begins right, giving Gideon a new name, a name that me and you haven't seen yet, but we have. We just, we, we missed it. Uh, the the uh, Judges 7 begins calling Gideon Jerubbabel. And while um, we, we see where this name is connected to, in its, in its name, the, the last part of the name is, 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 is Baal. Um, when, when you see a Hebrew name, a lot of Hebrew names are connected to, to God. And we see, you know, like Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. These are the names of the three Hebrew boys. We see all God something, God something, God something. Now, Jerubbabel is Baal something. And basically what Jerubbabel means is let Baal fight for himself. This is the name that Gideon's father will give him when the men of the city come and say, we want to kill Gideon because Gideon tore down our idols of Baal. Gideon came and he tore down our statues, he tore down our idols, and we're going to kill Gideon. Gideon's father said, why would you kill Gideon? If Baal was mad enough at Gideon, let Baal, let Baal take up for himself. Let Baal defend himself. And so from that day forward, his father called him Jerubbabel, which means let Baal contend or let Baal fight for himself. This is the name that Gideon's father will give him. And through Judges 7, 8, and 9, uh, because the story of Gideon doesn't end after this fight either. If, if, I don't know if I'll be able to get it to it all, get to it all. I would love to. Uh, but I want to tell you that you don't know the whole story of Gideon. You just think you do. The, 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 the story of Gideon is, is, is much more than just this moment in his life. Gideon goes on to serve the kingdom of God. For many, many more years, and he dies of an old age, and he has over 60 sons and many wives. And I'll, I'll, I'll maybe do a little summary of that 
near the end of my lesson here tonight. Gideon, called of God, he gets up early, he has all the people with him. At this point, we don't really know how many people are with him. We're going to get an idea here in a minute. But, but the Lord says to, to Gideon, Gideon, um, your, your army that, that you've got here together is too many for me. It's too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands because I know Israel. And if I let you go fight the Midianites with this many people and you win, I know exactly what you're going to say. You're going to say that you did this. Mine own hand hath saved me. God, a lot of people wonder why, why did God dwindle down the army of uh, Gideon's army? Like, 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 why did God do this? And, and the answer to that question we see right here in verse 2 is because God wanted them to know you did not do this on your own. God wanted them to know emphatically this was the hand of God. You, you will not be able to pose for the picture. You will not be able to put this on your resume. You will not be able to say, look what we did. When this thing's over with, I'm going to make it so. The only thing you can do is say, look what the Lord has done. Amen. Many, many of us in this room have experienced this in our life. Where we were down to literally nothing. Emotionally, financially, spiritually, we're down to nothing. And somehow we came through. And the reason we came through, we know because we were there, it was not us. We know. We, we watched it all happen. And we knew there's no way I did this. The only way I came through is God did this for me. And because God knows us. God knows that if we were able to do it, if we were able to have the knowledge, if we were able to have the skills, if we were able to have all the giftings that would get us in and out of anything, God knows that we would never stop and give him glory and just say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for bringing me out. Thank you for making a way. Lord, thank you for this job because I wasn't even qualified to get this job. There were 10 people in front of me to get this job. The more qualified people didn't get this job and I got it, so I know it had to be you. And this is what God will, all throughout the word of God, we'll see this, that God wants the glory out of your story. I'm going to say it again. God wants the glory out of your story. Why was this man born blind? Did his mama sin? Did his daddy sin? Did his grandparents sin? No, he was born blind so that the power and the glory of God could be revealed in him. Yeah, because God wants the glory out of all of our stories. At the end of the day, God wants to know, we know, it was him. It was him. He said, now there go forth, and proclaim to the ears of the people, in verse 3, saying, whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And they returned of the people 20 and 2,000, and there remained 10,000. This is how we know that Gideon's army started with 32,000 men. Because 22,000 left. And all he had now was 10,000. Isn't it amazing that these people showed up to fight, but they were, but they were afraid? Yeah, I was reading this this week, and I thought, you know what? It's amazing how many people 
will show up to a fight, but they're not really willing to fight. Like how many people will actually show up in full battle rattle? Like we're ready to go until it's really time to go. Yeah. How many people are willing to, 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 to show up, talk the talk, look good? How many people are willing just to be there and be like, yeah, man, let's, let's get them? You know, we know people like that. Like you're not going to do nothing until somebody comes and grabs you and he's like, man, you better hold me back. You better be glad, you better be glad they're here because they weren't here. Well, they ain't been here for the last 15 minutes. What, what, what happened? Because a lot of people want to look like they want to fight, but they're really afraid. Yeah. And we, we have to be careful that we don't have people within our, within our world who look like they on our side, but they would be terrified to really back us up or really back the play or to really go in with us. Here, here's, now there's some, there, there's some, 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 some ladies and gentlemen in this room uh, that have been in the military and maybe have been in combat situations like myself. The worst person to go into combat with is someone who's afraid. There's the worst person to go into combat with. Now we all have fear. We all understand that. And, and there ain't nobody that can say, oh, I wasn't afraid at all. But there's a difference between being, you know, having fear, having trepidation, and being someone that fear will paralyze. Because the worst thing that can happen is you be so afraid that you just stand still. And now you're causing other people around you to die because you're not moving forward. God, God knew that with our human eyes, we look out across this army of people, 32,000, and we're like, man, we are ready to go. We look good. But God knows the intent and the hearts of people. So the Lord said, the first thing I want you to do is just get rid of the people who are afraid to fight. If you're afraid to fight, go home. 22,000. 22,000 men said, <laughs> he's talking about me. I'm, I'm out. I mean, number one, the power of honesty of these men. And number two, no one tried to talk him into it. Get in to say, well, now hold up, wait a minute now. Because I know when he probably said, all right, if you're afraid to fight, go home. And when literally most of his ranks just broke off and started marching, he was like, whoa, whoa don't everybody leave at once. Let's, let's talk about this for a little bit. Let me see if I can build some morale. Let's see if I can get some motivation going. Everybody can't go into battle with you. Here's, here's what we need to learn about this moment, that God is drilling down the army. Now, he's drilling down the army because he doesn't want them to get the big head and think that they did it themselves. But what we also need to understand is that everybody can't go with me. Let me say it again. Everybody can't go with me. Everybody can't go. And, and that's okay. Because what God wants to do, he only needs a few. What God wants to do, he only needs a handful of willing vessels. So the Lord says, now Gideon's down to 10,000 men. Verse 4, the Lord said to Gideon, the people are yet too many. <laughs> wow, 10,000 against an army whose camels are like the sands of the seas? 10,000? The Lord said to Gideon, the people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water, and I will try them. 
Watch, watch what he said. I will try them for thee there. Mm. That, thing, that thing jumped out to me this week. He said, I'll try them for you. Could it, could it be possible that in our life sometimes, God's not trying us. He's just trying other people for us. So that we can see who's really ready. Now we see people around us go through stuff and we're like, God, and God said, I'm not trying them for them. I'm trying them for you. I will try them for you so you can see who's ready and who's not ready. Who's with you and who's not with you. Who's able to go and who's not able to go. Because you don't really know somebody until you've been through something with them. Oh, come on now, somebody. Listen, you don't, you don't really know people until you've seen them on their worst days. Oh, hallelujah. Some of y'all sitting in this house right now sitting next to a person that you married. Now, don't look at them. Just keep looking at me. I'm not, I'm not trying to cause no drama tonight in the house of the Lord. But you thought you knew them. You thought you did. You was in love. Y'all was dating. You was infatuated. She fine. He cute. And, and, and people even told you, I don't know. He said, oh, no, you don't know them like I know them. I know them so. They are so awesome. I know them. I know them. I know them. And, and, and smart people told you, no, you don't. Yes, I do. We've been dating for a year now. I know them. No, you don't. Yes, I do. I know, the in, I know them inside. No, you don't. You don't know them. You don't. You think you do, but you don't. And about two years in, you're like, who is this man <laughs> sitting in my kitchen eating my Cheerios? I do not know him. I don't know him. And you, you're sitting there thinking, now, I thought I married one woman. How can she be seven? I only knew the dating girl, but now I've met all of her friends. And I, I, I like her, but I don't know if I like these other people. Anybody want to talk back to the preacher on the Wednesday night? Look, look, let me stop meddling, get in trouble. Brother Shorter, pray for me. Oh, Jesus. You don't really know somebody until you've really been through something with them, until they've been tested. And then, and, and then you start seeing, okay, they're good under pressure. When, you know, what, what, how do they act when things don't go their way? Yeah. How, listen, how do they act when they're really mad? Like really mad. I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, I stubbed my toe. No, I'm talking about like really mad. What do they do? So the Lord said, I'm going to try them for you. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And whomever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people unto the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, every one that laugheth the, of the water with his tongue as a dog laugheth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, every one that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men, but all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. The Lord said to Gideon, 
by the 300 men that lapped will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thine hand and let all the other people go, every man unto his place, 9,700. We always preach about the 300. Let's talk for a little bit about the 9,700. The 9,700 men who came to the river didn't even know that this was a test. Had no, had no kind of prerequisite. They didn't even know that this was a test. They just came down to the river and Gideon said, everybody get something to drink. And he was watching. How did Gideon see 9,000? 700 men. I, I, the Lord must have given Gideon supernatural vision to see how these men were going to drink water. And every man that got down on his knees and stuck his head in the river, he said, he can't go. 9,700 men got down on their knees and got down and but there were 300 men that obviously stayed on their feet, put the water in their hands, and drank it like a dog would drink from a bowl. He said, those are the ones I want. I want the ones that won't bow down. I want the ones that will stay ready. Now, different theologians have different ideas about this. Being a military man, this is how I think about it. Now, I don't think there's a right, wrong, right, wrong answer here. I don't think there's a, uh, too much of a revelation here in this moment. I think it's just simplicity. When, when, when you're about to go to battle and the enemy is all around you and the enemy is known for just you know, swooping down and coming and, and, and tearing up everything they want to tear up, this is what they're known for. We see that in Judges 6, their, their modus operandi, what they do, how they attack. And, and now you've gathered an army which cannot go unnoticed. 30,000 people getting together in one group. The Midianites knew this was happening. And then you got 10,000 men going down to the, the, the watering hole. And there were men who had, again, this isn't in some kind of deep revelation. This is just my, this is what I would think that God was looking for. God was looking for men that wouldn't take, that wouldn't let their guard down. That there were just 300 military-minded men who somehow, some way, had, had the mindset that, you know what, I know we're down here by this river, but, but, but I'm not about to just get down here and take my eyes off everything and just stick my whole head in this river. I'm going to, I'm going to take the water in a way where I can stay on my feet and stay ready. This is, my, this is just the way my brain works and the way that I would think about this moment, that the Lord was looking for the men who had some kind of military background who would understand the next thing. In my mind, there was a bunch of men there who were just ready to fight for their country, but they had no, they had no experience. Experienced men, of more, uh, experienced men of war, experienced men of battle would have never just plopped down on the ground and started drinking from the river. Experienced men of battle, military-minded men would have tried to stay 
active, would have, would, have, would have kept their wits about them, would have, would have made sure, hey, I'm, like, like we're taking a break, but I'm still standing guard. Because I know the enemies just it could, could come out of nowhere. And God said, okay, those are the men I want. And the reason I want them is they're going to understand the next thing I'm about to do. The, the, these other men are, are, are good men. Here's what we know about them. They're not afraid. The 9,700, they weren't afraid because the, the, the scaredy cats already went home. All right? They, these are men of courage. They're just not prepared. Let me say it again. The 9,700 men are men who have no fear. They have courage. They just don't have the understanding of what's about to happen next. And God's like, listen, I can do more with 300 men who have the mindset that they need than with just 10,000 men who are just willing. That's a good word. Because a lot of times, me and you, we're not, we're not necessarily thinking about, we're just thinking about our willingness, but we do nothing to prepare. We're, we're willing to do a work for God, but we're not willing to pray. We're willing to do a work for God, but we're not willing to fast. We're willing to do a work for God, but we're not willing to serve in, a, in, in, in any kind of capacity outside of the capacity which we think God has called us to. We're willing to serve. We're, we're, you know, we're willing to, to do a work for God, but, you know, we're not willing to, to have devotion with the Lord and to set aside time for him. This is, this is how I see these men. They have a willing heart, but, they, but they're just not prepared for it. They don't have the right mindset. And so the Lord doesn't, you know, say kill them or he just says, just send them back home. They'll, they'll learn in time, but it's not time for them to go into the, the worst thing you could do is go into a battle that you're not prepared for. Because what God is about to ask these 300 men to do is foolishness. What they're about to do to anybody who doesn't know is pure foolishness. But obviously these men have some kind of mentality of military, like, like a military mindset. This is what I would, I would suspect out of this. And again, conjecture. I, I, I'm 100% in conjecture right now. Uh, this is not exegesis. This is eisegesis. This is, my, this, is, this is how I think about this moment is that God's looking for men who have a military background. Because what he's about to ask them to do next makes no sense to someone who doesn't have a military background. Because this is what God's about to ask them to do. He said, um, so the people took victuals in their hand, verse 8, and their trumpets. And he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. And the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down into the host, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Hurrah, is how you say that name. I looked it up today. Hurrah, thy servant, down to the host. So I'm going to get back to the military men in, in just a second. But let me just follow the story so I don't, I don't lose anybody. So he says, if you are still afraid, Watch verse 10. 
Let's go, let's think about Gideon's mindset in Judges chapter 6. Lord, show me one more time. Prove it to me one more time. The Lord said, if you're still afraid, go down tonight with your servant, and thou shalt hear what they say. And afterwards shall thy hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, into the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow. So, so Gideon and Pura are sneaking up on the camp. And when they get close, they hear a man tell one of his friends a story. He said, man, I dreamed a dream last night. And a cake of barley tumbled into the host of the Midian. And came unto a tent and smote, smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay alone. I don't understand what it meant. And his friend said, this, is, this can't be anything else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. If you can't see that, then I don't, I don't know why y'all not running aisles right now. The enemy already knew his name. Here's what he said. He said, I am nothing. I'm a nobody. I come from a tribe of nobodies. And, and within my family, I'm the least and the worst. Here's what the enemy said. Gideon has already won this thing. Gideon, the son of Joash, God has given him the victory in his hands. Listen. If you could hear what the enemy was saying about you already. Oh, I want to preach this so bad. Uh, listen, God, God kept telling the children of Israel this all the way back in Exodus and, and, and Leviticus and, and Numbers. He was already telling them, specifically in the book of Numbers, he told them, he said, I will go before you. And I will send my fear before you. Is what he said. He said, I will send my fear before you. And just like when, when, when the spies came into Jericho and, and came into Harlot Rahab's house and said, look, you know, we think about taking this place over. She said, we have known this for 40 years. And we have been terrified because we heard that the army that killed everybody in Egypt the armies of Egypt have come upon us. The enemy already had them on their mind. Listen, the, God has already sent the enemy nightmares about you. Mm. Listen, let me just say something to you here for just a moment. Some of y'all, the enemy's been in your head telling you this and telling you that. He's been giving you dreams. He's, the enemy's been trying to give you visions, visions of trouble and trial, and you're not going to make it, and the enemy's been talking to you. And the only reason is, is because the enemy has been dealing with his own set of problems about you. The enemy's in his head about you. The enemy's having dreams about you. The enemy is terrified that you'll wake up one day and say, you know what, I believe that God has called me and I know it may not look like it, and I may not have everything everybody else has, 
but I do have a word from the Lord, and that word is enough to tear down the enemy's kingdom. They was already talking about him. They were dreaming about him. Mm. Said, man, and look, I don't even know, listen, how, how, how can this guy get this interpretation from this dream? Said, man, look, I had a dream and a, a loaf of bread rolled down the hill and crushed the tent. And this guy said, mm, that's got to be Gideon. Bruh. What kind of bones you throw it in the hat, bro? What you looking at? What you been smoking? Everything that's wrong with the enemy got to be Gideon. Oh, that's Gideon right there. Man, I stubbed my toe last night. That's Gideon. I'm telling you, Gideon's coming. Gideon's coming. He's coming. Not only was it this one tent, but here in a moment we're going to see that all those camels all those tents spread out like grasshoppers every one of them had one name rolling around in their head Gideon he said there's nothing this is nothing but, but Gideon he's the son of joy he's a, he's a man of Israel and into his hands hath God delivered Midian and all the hope they knew they was already toast and it was so, watch this, verse 15. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshiped. Now, I don't, I don't think that he went and did a big sacrifice. What I think is he was sitting outside the tent listening, and he said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. We got this. And he returned to the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into our hand the host of Midian. He had to hear the enemy say it before he could say it. He said, we, we, we got this. And he divided the 300 men into three companies. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand and an empty pitcher and lamps within the pitcher. And he said to them, Look on me and do like I do. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. Just watch me. Now, if you're 300 men and you're about to go fight the enemy, you're about to go fight the enemy. 300 men. And here's what your commander tells you to do. Get a trumpet. And a pitcher and, 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 and put a lamp in it. Come again. There's 9,700 men who would have no clue what he's talking about. Oh, hallelujah. Just stay with me for a second. There's 9,700 men who would be like, uh-uh. I'm not going out there with a trumpet. We're going to sing these fools to death what we're about to do. We're going to play a tune. We're going to play a ditty. We're going we're gonna to make them dance till they pass out. What, I mean, what are we doing with a trumpet? We're we, we, we bringing a trumpet. We, now, listen, I, I've heard don't bring a knife to a gunfight, but I ain't never heard don't bring a trumpet to a gunfight. 
you telling me we're about to go face an army that looks like the sands of the sea and your weapon of choice is a trumpet? You, you tell it, you, hold up, time out. Somebody got to deal with this man right here. This man has lost his mind. And then I, we're going to do like you do, so whatever you do. But there were 300 men who knew. There were 300 men that knew that every captain in an army, every captain in an army goes into a battle only armed with a trumpet and an empty pitcher. See, you would have to be in the military to understand what this re resembles. You'd have to have a military background to understand what's going on here. Because if you go through the, the, out through the history of the armies of the Lord, you will see that before any attack, there is the sound of a trumpet. You would, you would understand that the trumpet represents the beginning of a battle. And when the trumpet sounds, you attack. And so these military men, they start, it starts making sense to them. That's why none of them go home when for their weapon of choice to fight an army that you can't even count is a trumpet and a clay pot with a lamp in it. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpet, and they broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Now what happens when you take a lamp? Now when they, when they say lamp, they don't mean a torch. They said a lamp. A lamp is a small vessel filled with oil with a burning wick, and when you break it, fire comes out. Now the Midianites know that for every trumpet, and for every fire represents about 10,000 men. Because every captain over 10,000 carries with them a pitcher and a lamp and a trumpet. So let me tell you what God was doing. God needed people that understood the process. God needed people that understood the military significance of a trumpet and a pitcher. Because when the, when the Midianites woke up and looked around them and saw 300 fires, what they thought was, do the math. They thought 3 million. Is my math right? 300 times 10,000? That's 3 million. What they thought was 3 million men are about to come down this mountain. <laughs> watch, what he's, watch what happens. He said, look on me and do likewise. And behold, he came out of the camp, blew the trumpet and all the with them, blow you the trumpets also on the, every side of the camp and say, and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men there with him came to the outside of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch. And they had but newly set the watch. They blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood, every man in his place, round about the camp. And all the hosts ran and cried and fled. 
and the 300 men blew the trumpets. And the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the hosts. And the hosts fled to Beshittah and Zerath and the border of Abel-Meholah and Tabath. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali and out of Asher and out of Manasseh and pursued after the Midianites. I'm going to go back and read it for you again because you missed it. The Bible says that when the 300 blew the trumpets and the, the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow. These men were so terrified. They looked up and saw all these lights. They thought, here we are. Three million men are about to descend on us. And it in their effort to get out of the way, they begin to slay them own selves. Every fellow against his fellow. The Lord brought confusion to the enemy. There was confusion. They didn't know where to run. There was confusion. They fled. And, and we see that when they fled, they fled in three or four different directions because they were just confused. There was confusion in the camp. The Lord caused the enemy to be confused. But the Lord needed 300 men to understand the significance of that moment. He didn't, he didn't need men that would say, hey, this ain't going to work. He needed men who would say, oh, I get it. I understand it. It makes sense. I break the pot. I raise the fire. And I sound the trumpet. And I say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. It's amazing what 300 men who all have the right mindset can do. Bring confusion to the enemy. It's amazing what a one prayer meeting can do with a couple people who agree. Matter of fact, I know it was 300 men here, but the, the, the Lord's going to tell us later on. He said, where just two or three are gathered in my name, there I'll be in the midst of them. He, he said it like this. He said, one of you can put 1,000 to flight. Two of you can put how many? 10,000 to flight. I wonder how many 300 could put to flight. An army who cannot be counted, that many. Put them to flight. Put them on the run. They ran for their lives because of the confusion that God set upon them. But here's the deal. Everybody can't go. Everybody can't go. We need the right people in the right place saying the right thing in the right mindset. We need people that will follow the leader and say, you know what, I'm going to do what he does. I ain't going to try to do it no differently. I'm not going to blow the trumpet, then break the pot, then I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to break the pot, then hold the light, then do the, I'm going to do exactly. He said, when you see me do it, you do exactly like I did it. It's hard to get 9,700 men to do something. But it's easy to get 300. God knew that it would take a miracle to see this happen. And so a miracle is exactly what it gave them. He said, I'm not going to let you fight. I'm not going to let you fight with 30,000 because I need these men to believe there's three million. That's what I need. I need, I need these men to understand that 
I will fight this battle for you. Let me do the math. Here's, here's what I see in, in Judges uh, chapter 7, and I'm almost finished tonight, already, almost done. What I see is that when you let God do the math, his math's always better than my math. You see, because if I was doing the math, I'd say, man, 30,000 sounds good. Man, 10,000 is okay. 300 is crazy. Because when I'm doing the math, I don't understand what God's doing in the background. But when I let God do the math, it always equals the exact sum that it needs to be. When, when I let God into my life and I say, God, I don't really understand what you're doing here right now, but I'm going to take on the mindset that God knows exactly what he's doing, and I'm going to let God be God. I'm just going to do what he asked me to do. Uh, I wonder how many battles have been lost in my life and your life because we tried to do the math and took God out of the equation. I wonder how many times God was just about to show us that the enemy was confused, but we tried to step in and say, God, no, 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 it don't make no sense, Lord. And we tried to make sense out of what God had said, no, 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 just do what I'm telling you to do. It doesn't have to make sense for you to do it. It doesn't have to make sense. It, a miracle never makes sense. A miracle never makes sense. And, 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 and me and you, we're, we, are, we are a lot of times just like this story where we see what God is doing and because it makes no sense and because it doesn't add up and because we've seen things happen over and over again and we lean to our own understanding, we take ourselves out of the story in self-preservation because we don't think it's going to work. We don't think it's going to work. Someone says, you know what, you ought to pray about it. I've been praying, man. It's just, it, it, it don't work. Yes, it does. Keep showing up. To, just keep showing up. Well, I've been showing up, man, and, and, and nothing's changed. It's going to work. Just keep, just keep walking through the door. It's going to work. Well, I, I, don't, I don't have enough. God is enough. And if you got God, you got everything you need. If you have him, you have everything you need. If you got the Lord and the Lord is on your side, who can be against you? Who can stand against you? Who can stand against the Lord? Nothing, nobody, no situation. But it's not going to make sense every time. It's not going to make sense every time. It's not always going to make sense. It's not always going to add up. It's not always going to be exactly like you wrote it down on paper. Me and you, we struggle with letting God work out the variables. We struggle with that. I struggle with that. You struggle. I, I, I stand before you today transparent. There's been many times even in, in the last 10 years of pastoring this church where I couldn't trust God with the variables. And, and, and I tried to control but at some point I had to say, you know what, Lord, this is what you said, so this is what, this is what we're going to do. It don't make no sense, but we're gonna, I'm going to do it, Lord. You said do it, I'm going to do it. And every time, God has proven to me that he's smarter than I am. God has proven to me that he, he can see the end from the beginning. And, and he knows the road that I travel. And, and he's, all, he's on my side, he's for me. So if I trust him, he, he's never going to let me down. 
I don't, I don't know who I'm talking to tonight. I don't know who this is for tonight. But, but what I'm praying for you is this. I'm praying that you will hang on low enough to hear what the enemy thinks about you. I, I, I pray that you, that you hold on long enough, that, that, that you stick around with the Lord long enough that, that you see it start playing out in your favor. Because the first time in this whole story that Gideon worshipped was when he knew the enemy's already scared of me. The enemy already has an idea of who I am. The enemy thinks more highly of me than I think of myself. The enemy already has an idea of who I am and they're terrified of who I am. Every little thing that goes wrong in that camp, they're blaming it on me. See, but in order for Gideon to hear what the enemy was thinking about him, he had to go down and get close to the enemy's camp. And I know me and you sing the song, going up to the high places, going to tear the devil's kingdom down. But would you go down to the low places? Sneak up on the enemy? Listen, your enemy is not omnipresent. Your enemy is not all-knowing. He ain't. No, sir. Don't you believe that mess for one minute. Only God can do that. You ought to get into your prayer closet and say, Lord, show me what hell thinks of me. You know what the devil's worst fear is? What the devil's worst fear is, is you finding out what he thinks about you. Because some of y'all, he fighting you so hard, you know he thinks highly of you. Because if he didn't think no, if, if, he, if he didn't think about you at all, he wouldn't even mess with you. He wouldn't have messed with your kids. He wouldn't have messed with your calling. He wouldn't have messed with your giftings. No, no, no. He would, he, he would not be trying to mess with your marriage. He would have tried to kill you two years ago. He wouldn't have tried to take you out in that car accident. He would have tried, he would have tried nothing on you. He would have just let you go on living life, doing what you do. But because he knows that there's a calling on you and a gifting in you and an ability in you, he's terrified. So you ought to pray, Lord, reveal to me what the enemy thinks about me. Just like you did for Gideon. Here's the deal. Somebody said, well, Pastor Chavis, I ain't never heard nobody say that before. Pray that the Lord would tell me. I've never heard nobody say that. Well, I got Bible for it. I got Bible for it. There's Bible for it. Because the Lord said, Gideon, if you are still afraid, if you still got a little bit of fear, if you still ain't really figured it out yet, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get you somebody to go with you and go down to the enemy's camp and just listen. Listen. Just listen. And so that's my Bible right there. If you're still afraid, if God hadn't been able to prove it to you yet, maybe the enemy can prove it to you. You ought to pray. Say, Lord, show me what hell thinks about me. Show me, Lord, show me why the enemy has set up camp on my doorstep. Show me why, Lord. Show me what the enemy thinks about me. And I promise you, 
that you may wind up ending up in a worship moment saying, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for showing me. Now I know that you've given the enemy into my hands. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? The devil don't like preaching like this. He don't like teaching like this because now we see in the word we have a biblical precedent. You see, we can, we can name it, claim it, blab it and grab it, prophesy it. We can be prophetic or we can be pathetic, whichever one you want to call it. We, we could do all that. But a lot of that kind of stuff don't hold no weight if you ain't got no Bible to back it up. See, now we got some Bible. And the, the best foundation has always been and always will be God's word. And so now I have some Bible to stand on when I get into my prayer closet and say, Lord, just like you convinced Gideon with the dreams of the enemy, I pray, Lord, you show me. Lord, because just like Gideon, I'm, I'm still a little worried. I'm, I'm still a little scared. You, you called me to this ministry. You called me to this gifting. You called me to do this, but I'm terrified, God. I don't think I can. But if you let me hear what the enemy thinks. Enemy talking about you. Enemy talking about you. You 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 giving the, the enemy nightmares. He's terrified of you. And one of the greatest fears of hell is that you'll wake up one day and realize exactly who you are. And say, you know, I gotta take this no more. Amen. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.